1986, two ships collided in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia. It was not because of faulty technology or thick fog, but the cause was human pride. Further investigation revealed that each captain was aware of each other's ship coming to each other, and they could have steered clear, but neither wanted to move. You get out of the way. No, you get out of the way. And as a result, they crashed. This is a true story. As a result, hundreds of passengers died because each captain was too proud to yield first. Three words that often get us into trouble, me, myself, and I. And at its core, at its essence, is pride. Now, to be fair, it's important to take care of yourself and your family. But if we're honest, too often we focus on what we want, what we need, rather than consider the needs and perspectives of other people. I love what Reverend Robert Schuler said. He said, the secret of success is to find a need and fill it, to find a hurt and heal it, to find somebody with a problem and offer to help solve it. Successful living in Robert Schuler's eyes is when we shift the focus off of ourselves and what we want and instead humbly focused on the needs of other people around us. If you're following along in your outline, today is week one of our new series, Made for More, and we are contrasting pride versus humility. Pride versus humility. You see, when we are more consistent with living the humble way that God has designed us to live, we will actually experience more of the good plans and the good things that God has for our life when we're in line with what he wants us to do and be. And so before we go any further, what is humility? Well, I'm sure you've heard the quote, it's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So it's not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. It's being selfless. It's an athlete who credits their success to their teammates. I couldn't do it without them. Humility is an attitude that impacts our decisions, our choices, and even how we view ourselves. You know, a humble person will say, how can I help other people succeed? How can I help other people to do better and to get ahead? What do they need right now more than what I need? Humility is the opposite of pride. Pride is being self-centered. It's an attitude that thinks highly of myself. I would never make a mistake. You know, everyone should look at me and follow my life. You know, I, I, I'm a great Christian. I'm, I'm a great follower. You know, people would do a lot better if they, if they became more like me. You know, it's an athlete who credits the team's victory to their ability. Well, if I didn't score those three goals, we wouldn't have got into the championship. Really, they should be thanking me. You see, humility is putting yourself first. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before fall. And it's where we get the phrase, pride comes before a fall. You see, people tend to admire and look up and give support to those that are humble. But people tend to distance themselves from those that are arrogant, self-centered, 
and pride, and they don't give them any help. You see, the bottom line, all the time we're either attracting or repelling others by our attitude. And so today we're looking at a letter written by the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the church in Philippi, and he's encouraging them to follow Jesus' example, imitate him by shifting the focus off of ourselves and onto humbly serving other people. And so our passage of scripture is found in Philippians 2, verses 3 through 8, and this is what God's word says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others as better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of other people. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, the condition of our heart influences how we live and interact with other people. If we're humble, we'll make decisions to help other people. But if we're prideful, our decisions will be self-serving. And our first point is this. Pride and humility show up in what we do. Pride and humility show up in what we do. And so for those that are hockey fans or, or play hockey or you know sports fans, let's take the example of hockey to help us identify a prideful person and what they do. Well, a prideful hockey player will never pass the puck. They always want the puck. They short shift other lines so that they can get back out there and score all the goals. You see, a prideful person is more concerned about what can I do to outshine other people? What can I do to outshine other people? And if they do not refocus that self-seeking attitude that it's all about me, they will repeatedly live for themselves, hurt and offend other people for being so inconsiderate. And so where does the Apostle Paul talk about what prideful people do? Well, in that first verse, in verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. You see, prideful people just want more from themselves. They're self-centered. They're motivated by, what can I get? What can I have? What can I do to outshine? Selfish ambition that the Apostle Paul uses comes from the Greek word arathe, which means a strong desire for one's own gain. Regardless of conflict, putting our wants and needs ahead of other people and even the Lord. You see, selfish ambition is, what can I get? What can I get? My needs, my success at the expense of other people. They're motivated by self. And we all know that selfishness ruins relationships. Selfishness ruins relationships. James 3.16 says, where you have selfish ambition, there you find disorder, brokenness, chaos, confusion. Selfish ambition results in hurting other people to get what we want. Therefore, if our relationships are suffering, rocky, 
maybe on the verge of breaking, maybe we need to look at ourselves and see, have I been doing things with a self-centered attitude? You see, the Apostle Paul has firsthand experience with prideful and selfish people. While he's in prison writing this letter to the church in Philippi, there were these self-seeking people who preached about Jesus with unhealthy motives. Philippians 1.17 says, the Apostle Paul says, the former preached Christ, excuse me, out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. You see, Paul actually didn't find any fault in their content and what they were sharing. But the deeply rooted issue was their heart. Their heart. They weren't interested in helping other people. They were only interested in self-advancement. Since Paul was in prison, they saw it as an opportunity to get ahead. Oh, maybe we can outshine Paul and people can start to look towards us instead of the leader, the apostle Paul. They wanted to promote their position at Paul's expense. And here's the contrast. Prideful people want to get ahead, but the humble lift up others. Prideful people want to get ahead, <laughs> excuse me, but the humble lift up others. Prideful people look out for number one. <laughs> look out for number one. Their goal is to use other people to selfishly acquire a higher position, more power, and possessions for themselves. And so that's what prideful people do. What do humble people do? Well, again, let's take the example of hockey to help us identify a humble person. A humble hockey player passes the puck. They encourage other people. They take shorter shifts so that other players can play. You know, they are less focused on being in the spotlight, and they consider it a joy and a privilege to humbly serve behind the scenes so that other people look good. Thank you, Bonnie. Notice the contrast in Jesus' humility in what he did in verse 7. Jesus demonstrated humility in what he did. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. The word nothing comes from the Greek word kenos, which means Jesus emptied himself and he gave up his divine privileges. It's actually contrasting later in the verse where Jesus is referred to as Lord. That at the end of the day, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so Paul is contrasting Lord. But Jesus made himself nothing. Jesus, of his own free will, renounced his position, his rank, his privilege in heaven. He denied himself of his rights for the sake of other people. Instead of being identified as a king and a lord, he took the position to be identified as a servant. A servant. Someone who belongs to another person. Someone who willingly obeys their will. In the New Testament, the word servant is used with the highest dignity of those who willingly live under God's authority, will, and reign as devoted followers, followers of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus demonstrated humility by not doing what he wanted to do, but to serve God's will, 
John 6, 38, Jesus says, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. John 6, 38. We're able to see what Jesus, Jesus' humility and what he did. In John chapter 13, Jesus demonstrated being selfless when he washed, excuse me, he washed his disciples' feet. Washing guests' feet was a job for a household servant. And even though Jesus could have, Jesus didn't use his position to dictate, but to demonstrate humility and what they do. Jesus washed his disciples' feet to teach them how to serve other people. Jesus said, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example. And here's the point. Humble people serve others, but the prideful want to be served. Humble people serve others, <laughs> but the prideful want to be served. Jesus completely flipped the worldview upside down. The world's position is, how can you serve me? God's kingdom position is, how can I serve you? How can I serve you? And as I was thinking about this, if Jesus holds the greatest position, the greatest title, the greatest name above all names, and he served us, there is no position below us. There is no position. There is nothing too small, meanier, anything too small for us to serve if God served us. And so if we want to grow in humility, we need to follow Jesus' example by removing ourselves from our position, thinking that we're too good, we're too high up of a position to do this small task, or I'll get someone else to do that. Maybe we need to either literally or figuratively, humbly get on our knees and serve other people. And so let's just take just a moment to reflect. Pause for reflection about how what prideful people do and humble people do. Maybe we need to ask ourselves, Lord, search our heart and say something like, Lord, is there anything that I'm doing that has prideful or selfish motives? Lord, is there anything that I'm doing that has prideful or selfish motives? Or, Lord, is there something that I'm not doing that I should be doing to grow in humility? Second point is this. Pride and humility show up in what we think. Pride and humility show up in what we think. Again, let's look at the hockey player. What do they think? A prideful person thinks, I'm the best on the team. This team would be nothing without me. I would never make a mistake, but other people, they make mistakes. A prideful person is more concerned about what do people think of me? What do people think of me? They are self-focused about their image and often offend other people for being so vain. Notice how Paul identifies what prideful people think. In verse 4 he says, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of other people. The Apostle Paul uses the word look, comes from the Greek word skopeo, which means to pay attention, 
to really consider, to look outward at other people off of ourselves. Paul is implying that humble people not only look after their own interests, but they have an equal concern with the interests and needs of other people. Their interest, Paul is implying, is what they need. What do they need right now? But prideful people only focus on the first part, our own interests, and they don't think about the interests of other people. And when prideful people only think about their own interests, they're communicating, how can you help me? How can you help me get what I want? How can you help me get what I need? What's in it for me? They do not consider what other people need or how it may affect them. Romans 8.5 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Those who live according to the flesh, self, sinful, prideful, have their minds set, they dwell on, they think about what the flesh desires. What do I need? What do I want? It is self-serving. There is a Latin phrase, a theological phrase that goes something like this, incurvitus and say, which means a life turned inward. A life turned inward. In other words, a heart turned inward rather than outward towards other people. And at its essence, isn't that what prideful people think about? You know, they're self-focused. They're self-seeking. They're self-absorbed. They want other people to serve them. Even James and John, disciples of Jesus, close followers of Jesus who've been walking with Jesus for two, two years or so, struggled at times with thinking about what they wanted above the interests of other people. Their closest friends, their disciples, they asked Jesus this question. They said in Mark 10, 37, Jesus, let one of us sit at your right and the other person at your left in your glory. They were thinking about themselves, gaining a higher position, seats next to Jesus in heaven. Seats next to Jesus in heaven, asking for a high position. If they got those seats, that means no one else could sit there. They wanted to sit there. They only thought of themselves. What can I get? What can I have? And Jesus called them out for such ignorance and arrogance and pride. And here's the point. Prideful people focus inward, but the humble focus outward towards other people. Prideful people are self-absorbed. They're oblivious to the needs of other people, and their actions align with their thoughts. The reason why they can't see the needs of other people is because they're too focused on getting what they want. So again, let's contrast this into what humble people think about. Again, let's take a hockey player again. What do they think about? Well, they think that it takes a team to win, not individuals. They are the first to admit their mistakes and apologize. A humble person is more concerned about thinking, what does the team need right now? What are the team's needs? They're more focused on meeting the needs of other people and sacrificing what they want. So again, notice the contrast in what Jesus humbly thought about himself. Jesus demonstrated humility in verses 6, the latter part. He did not consider equality with God 
something to be grasped. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He didn't consider, which talks about it, it didn't come first into his mind. Equality refers to the same level. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. They are one in the same, three in one. But Jesus didn't grasp. It, it refers to, you know, robbing or like seizing something for yourself, an open display of force. Jesus didn't show force by trying to take advantage of his position. You know, I'm God and you should be serving me. Jesus didn't think like that. He said, I'm God and I'm going to demonstrate how you serve other people. Notice that Jesus was equal to God. He is Lord. He has the same attributes of God. Yet he did not think of using his title to tempt him from not serving other people. (laughs) Rather, he was submissive to God. And he didn't take advantage of his coming to earth to see power, possessions, and position for himself. Jesus knew who he was but he refused to take advantage of it for his own gain. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus demonstrates being selfless in what he thought when he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan to gain power, splendor, and glory for himself. Satan said, Jesus, I will give you all the kingdoms of this world and all of their splendor if you bow down and worship me. But notice Jesus' response right away. Jesus responded back to Satan. Satan, worship God and serve him only. Worship God and serve him only. Jesus demonstrated humility by denying the opportunity to glorify himself. More popularity for a greater influence over the world. He knew who he was, but he knew that only God was to be worshipped. And here's the point. Humble people worship God, but the prideful want to be worshipped. Humble people worship God, but the prideful want to be worshipped. In our prideful culture, we often want to be the focus. We want to be praised. We want to receive the thanks. We want to gain popularity. Pridefully, Satan wanted to be worshipped. And even when God uses us to do good and great things for those around us and in our community, there is the temptation to be praised. There is the temptation to be thanked, to want to receive that. But humble people remember that it was God who did the work I was just the vessel. It was God who did the work. I was just the vessel. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask, think, or imagine, according to his power at work within us, to him be the glory. Did you notice? It was his power, his ability through us. God wants to use us. God wants to empower us to do good and great things for him. But the humble give it to God. I've heard the phrase, they deflect the praise and they give it to the Lord. They deflect the praise and they give it to the Lord. 
They don't want to be the center of attention. They want to give God the glory and the honor and the thanks. So again, as we take a moment just to reflect about our own life and what our thought life has been. Lord, are my thoughts self-absorbed? Lord, do I want to be the center of attention? Lord, help me to deflect the praise and give it to you. Our third and final point is this. Pride and humility show up in what we value. Pride and humility show up in what we value. Again, let's take the hockey player again. What do they value and how they are prideful? Well, they value being MVP. They value scoring all the goals. They value having their name cheered for. A prideful person is more concerned about their value, what their worth is, compared to other people. They are self-absorbed, and they only care about making themselves look good. And notice how Paul identifies what prideful people value in verse 3. The Apostle Paul says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Vain conceit is the pursuit of personal glory, Receiving the praise. Vain conceit is, how do I look? How do I look? It's being more concerned with the outward appearance, the facade, rather than the real condition of our heart on the inside. Prideful people place value in being in the spotlight. They're show-offs. They want to enlarge their, enlarge their appearance. They have a big ego. They don't want to be behind the scenes. They want to be front and center. You see, a group of people who were more concerned about their appearance was the Pharisees. They were hypocrites. They were show-offs. They bragged about their good deeds. And Scripture says that they loved man's praise more than God's. And Jesus said, do not do what they do because they do not practice what they preach. Do not do what they do for they do not practice what they preach. Although they did some good things, their hearts were not in the wrong place. They had wrong motives. And here's the idea. Prideful, prideful people value looking good, but the humble place value in a pure heart. Prideful people value looking good, but the humble value a pure heart. Jesus described, <coughs> excuse me, the Pharisees' pride when he said, everything that they do is done for people to see. Even today, people may do some great and some good things for their community, for their Lord, but their motives are impure. They may even convince themselves. They may even convince other people, but they cannot convince the Lord because man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold, pure gold. 
refiner's fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. Again, humble hockey players value others being rewarded, and they value friendships over winning. A humble person is more concerned about valuing the team winning rather than the individual achievements or performances. They're focused on what can I do to make the team look good. And notice again the contrast in Jesus' humility and what he valued. Jesus valued in verse 8, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself to become low, fully dependent upon the Lord. And this humbling describes what is meant by the contrast of him becoming nothing. He humbled himself. He became obedient, submissive to God's plan. You see, the cross was not anything glorious. The cross was punishment for the most wicked and horrible of criminals. And it was the most painful and shameful manner of death. Jesus was so obedient to God's plan, even if it meant humiliating himself for God's will to be done. That's how much he humbled himself. He was willing to humiliate himself so that God's plan could be fulfilled. Jesus valued obedience to God more than his own will. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. And the climax to Jesus's obedience was his willingness to die for you and for me. And here's the point. Humble people place value in obeying God, but the prideful place value in doing what they want. Humble people place value in obeying God, but the prideful place value in what they want. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If we want to grow in humility, we need to follow Jesus' example by trusting that God is working out a plan. Ecclesiastes 3.11 talks about he makes everything beautiful in his time. We can trust that God has a good plan, but he asks us to trust him and obey him. And maybe that requires surrendering our perspective. God, I don't fully understand, but I trust that you are able to bring good from the most horrible of circumstances. Give God credit that he knows things we do not. Give God credit that he knows things we do not. So, as we contrast pride and humility, the prideful actions mentioned earlier, Jesus' humility, the opposite of selfish ambition, what can I get? Jesus humbly made himself nothing. What can I give? What can I get? What can I give? The opposite of vain conceit, how do I look? Jesus humbly made himself a servant. How do I look? 
How can I serve? How can I lower myself? The opposite of our own interests, how can you help me? Jesus was obedient to death. How can I help you? How can you help me? Humble people think, how can I help you? And so, Lord, do we place value in obeying you, even when we don't fully understand what's going on? Lord, do we trust that you're working out a plan ultimately for our good? Psalm 139, King David wrote, Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any offensive way in me, and lead me along the right path. When I think of someone who demonstrates humility... I think of my wife, Mariah. About a month ago, I had COVID. I don't think it's anything new to any people around in this area. I was bedridden. I was sick. You know, I had a fever. I just was not feeling well. And Mariah did not say to me, Jetty, get up. You have man COVID. He didn't say it. She didn't say anything like that. But she was kind. She was gracious. And she was caring. Mariah demonstrated humility in what she did. She made the meals for me and brought them to me. She took time and she walked the dog. She took out the garbage, even though that was my responsibility. She did that. That's what Mariah did. Mariah demonstrated humility in what she thought. She thought, what do I need right now more than what she needs? And Mariah valued humility by seeing me rest and get well. I'm thankful for her selfless spirit, and the Christ-like example she is to me. You see, we're called to be a servant, a giver, not a taker, focused on the needs of other people. 1 Corinthians 10.24 says, Let no one seek their own good, but the good of other people. Again, this doesn't mean that we neglect ourselves and our family, but the humble person's goal is to always be looking outward at other people willingly sacrificing our preferences and our needs so that other people meet their needs. So again, what have we been talking about? Let's recap here. If we were to boil down the first point, it's this. Humbly serve others and God. This is what we do. What do we think? Humbly deflect the praise. I don't want to be worshipped, but I want to give it to God. And what do we value? We value trust and obedience to God. The Apostle Paul talked about that something that, we can, that something that we can do is that we can display the same attitude as Jesus. We may not be able to do the exact ministry of what Jesus did, but the Apostle Paul did say in verse 5 that we can have the same attitude as Christ Jesus to have the same understanding, his perspective that affects outward behavior. And the humble attitude is possible, but it requires us to surrender. It requires us to surrender. Who's number one in our life? Take the position of a servant. Focus on the needs of other people above our own so that one day when we stand before God in heaven, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Last story. 
In the late 1800s, D.L. Moody was one of the most famous evangelists in the world. People came from all over the world to hear him speak and attend his conferences. He was very popular. He was like uh, the pastor that that people kind of look up to. And one year, a large group of pastors from Europe came to attend one of his conferences that he was speaking at. And they stayed in the dorms that D.L. Moody provided. And as was custom in Europe, the men put their shoes on the outside of their door at night because in Europe, servants would come to come polish and clean their shoes and then return it for them in the morning. As D.L. Moody was walking through the hallways and praying for the pastors that were there for the conference, he noticed that they placed their shoes outside their door. And since there were no servants in the American dorms, Moody gathered up all the shoes, nearly 100, 200 pairs of shoes. He took them all to his room. He cleaned, he polished every single one of them. And then he returned them back to the doors in the dorm rooms that night, and no one found out what had happened. The only reason why we know this story is because his friend saw him by accident seeing what he did. Sometimes the most humble acts that we do are the ones that no one sees but God. Sometimes the most humble things we do are the ones that no one sees but God. You see, humble people do the right thing, they think the right way, and they value the right things. And with God's help, we can live a selfless life so that people don't see us, but they see Jesus through us. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the example that you are to us and how you challenge us, Lord, to not look at ourselves, but to look outward at other people. And Jesus, very easily, you could have just said, do this, think this right, value these things. You had every right to do that. But Lord, you wanted to demonstrate what humility looked like. Not to receive the honor and the glory, but Lord, ultimately to give it to the Lord, God. And so Jesus, I pray that you would change our heart, change our motives, purify our heart, Lord, to be a more accurate reflection of you in what we do, in what we think, in what we value so that your name is praised, so that people experience the hope of Jesus Christ. And may many people come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.